Well, Amazon kind of was going the way of Microsoft and Meta, but hit a speed bump, kind of taking the market down. But all we're going to talk about today is just these mixed earning reports and in the reactions to them all over the place. We got PCE at 8.30. We got Jeremy Schwartz at 8.35. We got more earnings to talk about from the big oil companies. This is Friday. This is pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. It's Friday. We're going to end the week. We're going to end the month here. S&Ps are still in the green for the month by a little bit. We'll see if we can hold on to those gains. As far as today's price actions, things were looking good with the Amazon earnings, but the bottom fell out. We're down 17 and a half handles at 41.3650. Tough to find support in this market after that whoosh up yesterday. Uh, the buck on the rebound here. The dollar futures up 51 cents at 101.76 and a half. Bonds rallying today up 23.30 seconds at 131.4.30 seconds. Crude oil. That's up 21 cents, 74.97. Gold loses a 2K level down 680 at 1992.20. Silver clinging to 25, down 11.4 cents at 25.09 and a half. And Bitcoin flirting with 30K. We're down $515 at 29,425. Uh, let's bring on Triple D. And Triple D, I mean, I thought there would be more action for you after hours here, but uh, it was Amazon. We got the Intel. What a what a mixed market again. I think that's been the mantra for the week. It really has. I mean, we kind of got an everything rally yesterday. Everything seemed to pick up the pick it up, and it was a really good day for the markets overall. But after hours, complete mixed messages here. Once again, the inverse correlations in some stocks are nothing short of incredible. I mean, Amazon rip, roar, and higher on that report. And we know we can start right there. They blasted that thing off, loving everything where they were reading the re in the report. Stock at one point in time was up, I believe, 12 points. Almost, no, actually, it was up even more than that. Um, it was up. Where, how high did you get there, Joel? Bring oh, the man, let me get the 24-hour chart here. Joel's going to grab it right now. Whoa, whoa, Nelly. We got up to 123 even. One so we were up 13 points there last night. And then we started leaking. And you know what I found really interesting was the S&Ps were not rallying much off Amazon. And at one point in time, Amazon was up eight bucks and the S&P was up two points. And I tweeted it out at this point in time. I'm like, you got to do the math here because if you do the quick math, Amazon was 2.8%, I believe is where it is. It's right around there, 2.8% of the S&P. Um, with Amazon trading up roughly, I think it was 7 or 8% at the time, it was adding 7 points to the S&P, yet the S&P was only up 2, meaning the other components combined, the other 499 would be down 5. So what you saw in your filters was actually Amazon up, a few stocks up, and just a lot of stocks down, despite the S&P futures being up 2 points. So, I mean, sometimes on these days when you get these heavy components, you've got to just do the quick math calculations because you could come in and say, oh, the market's doing pretty good here after hours. It really wasn't last night. And then on the conference call, when Amazon talked about AWS growth slowing in April, they hammered the stock. Gene Munster, you know, tweeted out, you know, immediately mm -hmm. when those comments came out. And that was the reason. And then it lost another 10 bucks. We know it's down $3 here now. They did not want to hear anything about AWS growth slowing. And that's what they got. So bottom line, the gains are gone in Amazon. The gains are gone in the market from last night. We're leaking here, but you know we're still mixed messages because we've got some stocks trading up 
you know, where Intel and bring up Intel. Can you bring these two charts beside each other? I don't think you can do that, can you? Uh, yeah. And what? What? Uh, yeah. Okay. Amazon yeah. and Intel. Bring up Intel, the the twenty four hour chart from last night on Intel, just beside each other. And I just want to show you something which I found very interesting. Let me make here. this a sixty minute too. Yeah, try to make them and try to give Same. them looking identical if we can. There we go. The two left charts are both sixty-minute charts yeah. incorporating the uh, after-hours and pre-market trading. Amazon so, on top, Intel on the bottom. So what was very interesting was when Amazon started to sell off, Intel started to rally, like and probably coincidental to a certain extent. But we know, and I've talked about this before too. For whatever reason, sometimes Intel moves opposite to the overall market, the queues, and I don't know why. You know, there's certain stocks as Intel is a tech stock. I know why non-tech components can move opposite to the queues sometimes because, you know, when the big ones are up too much, they, they got to sell something to pick up the slack. But for whatever reason, I've noticed this for a while here too. And you can notice even, you know, in, in the recent pricing action in March, you know, Intel rallying, rallying, rallying. And the queues rallied there too, but Intel rallied a lot more. And then, it, you know, it's obviously giving it back. But in some moments, sometimes Intel actually moves opposite the queues. And I just found it interesting, and I'm sure it was coincidental. But when Amazon started selling off, they started buying the hell out of Intel, and they couldn't stop buying. And this, you know, rally in Intel was significantly after the call. Intel was actually trading down for the first hour after the call. And I'm not sure what Intel said, or if they had the call at the exact same time and said something good, because I wasn't following Intel closely. But holy cow! I mean, Amazon straight down, then Intel went straight up almost at the same time. It was very interesting. Okay. Uh, well, we pretty much gave the report. You gave the report. It was a ten cent beat for Amazon on the EPS, and it was a nice beat uh, on the sales by uh, uh, almost three billion. But you're right. I mean, it it came out, and they started talking about uh, AWS segment. Uh, you know, slowing, and we talked about that. Amazon picked up on the cloud. Maybe they got or Microsoft picked up. Maybe Amazon, you know, lost a little business there. Uh, this is a tough chart here. I would say we're down three, a uh, little over uh, three dollars, three and a half dollars, and I think I'll just do a reset from yesterday. I'll go to the, I'll go to the dailies here, and uh, we're right at yesterday's low at uh, one hundred six eighty. We're just below that, so I think if the street mods make a positive spin on this one. You're gonna get you're gonna get a 10680 bid. You're gonna get a 107 bid, and you're gonna try and rally back up to that closing price of 10982. I think it's gonna be tough to get back there because you know people were looking for the Meta and the Microsoft, you know, kind of reaction, and they were chasing it. And if the, you happen to be chasing this one, you got smoked, and you got well, smoked unless you got time. out last night. And I think this gives you more reason. Um, from last night, and that's why I just want to interrupt you there, because if yeah. you sold last night, you did really, really well on it. I mean, this thing popped another 12%, or at least another 10% last night, $13, yeah, almost 12%. So, I mean, at the highs. So, if you, you know, I, I think we're just in this market where you've got to continue to take the gains. It's still a trader's environment. And if you're sitting back and thinking, you know, maybe you're going to pick up the meta where the 100 becomes a 200, becomes a 230. But for the most part, we're still sideways in a lot of stocks. We're still chopping around. And if you're not taking the gains, the market is taking them from you. I think this trading range could stay for a long time, a lot longer than people. You know, people are very, you know, uh, they read stuff that, you know, bear markets only last 12 months or 18 months. So they think, you know, if I'm buying off the highs in the S&P within 12 to 18 months and I can wait that long, I'm going to be making new money. I'm going to be making money again because we're going to be back at all time highs. And, you know, in a lot of bear markets, that is the case. But in some bear markets, it's not the case. We've given on this show multiple periods where we've had a decade where the stock doesn't come back for over 10 years, that the S&P doesn't come back for over 10 years. So I think you just have to be careful with just blindly, you know, just buying stocks. I think you're in this trading range here now. And I do think it persists. And I do think if you're writing covered calls, it may be, you know, the best way to go about this. Because if we stay in the sideways market, and, you know, to your point, really in April, we've kind of gone nowhere. It feels like it's been pretty good month. But it's been a pretty good couple of days that has gotten this month back. We're pretty mm -hmm. much in the same spot we started. And if we go back to February, we're in the exact same spot we were two months ago. And if you want to go back farther than that on the S&P, we're in the same spot we were back in November. We're in the same spot we were back in August. We're in the same spot we were back in April. So really, 
over the course of the last year, the S&P has gone nowhere. And this is my argument, what I've been arguing for a long time, is we are in a sideways market. The trend is not up. It is not down on the S&P. It is clearly sideways. And how do you play sideways markets? Fading moves. That's why I continue to be a trader here. And that's how, you know, I've done pretty good in the last year is just fading moves. Right. And uh, for the S&P, I mean, I got the spider chart up here. I mean, look at this monthly candle. I mean, I keep reiterating it, right? But that is your smallest monthly candle. I'll go back here uh, to uh, 2019. Uh, the spider had um, wow, just uh, wow, not much of a range at all. And it's a, even a smaller range this month and bumping up against, uh, you know, this resistance here, nowhere near that August high. I think it's just a real, I mean, it, it, we're at resistance in like, it's just like you think with the momentum that you had yesterday, and then you see that report coming out of Amazon, you're thinking, you know, all right, baby, you know, this is it. And then you get right back to the top of that range. And now you're pulling back. And as I said, it's hard to find support today in the market, especially in the S&P, because the way I mean, that was this incredible rally yesterday. I mean, they just kept on buying it and buying it and buying it. So we'll see where the bulls step in today. Uh, let's go to the Intel report. And sure. can someone tell me when they're going to stop losing money? Uh, they did beat. They lost four cents versus yeah. a fifteen percent estimate. They did okay on sales. Uh, it looks like their their Q two revenue mm, kind of like <laughs> they guided like I guess towards the lower end of the revenue. Um, a little bit upward guidance. I don't know this Intel. It it's getting a pop here, Dennis. Does it? Is, is it going to have legs today? I don't know. It's been such a dog for both me and you, Joel. Yeah. Here, I know it's come back to near to where I bought it. I've written some covered calls on this. So, you know, I've been going through my long-term portfolio and the stocks that I do own, and there isn't that many stocks anymore because I've raised so much cash. I have been writing covered calls. So just, you know, saying that the range persists, if they take me away on some of these stocks, I've written covered calls in my long-term QQQ position too. They take me away. I think I'm going to get them back cheaper. So, um, and again, you know, you don't want to just write covered calls on anything because some stocks could go down. You know, Plasma making a good point in the chat too. I do think, you know, I'm, I wouldn't have all this cash if I thought the market was going to go higher. I just don't know if I feel like it's going to just tank here either. There's a risk though. There's lots of risk. But Intel here, it's been chopping around. It gets back up here. This $32 in main oh, yeah. resistance. Jump I mean, jump. if you're in this thing for a trade, I have the covered calls on it now. So I'll probably just let that go. If I lose the stock, I lose the stock. But and, and there's decent premium in here. I mean, I got, I think I went out like, I don't remember how far I went out, three or four months. And I think I got two bucks, Joel. I, I mean, remember talking about it, that. It's pretty decent premium. Again, I did this back when VIX, I did this over a month and a half ago when the VIX was, when I had the original rally there in March. Um, I, I think with the VIX, you know, down here, you got to revalue, <laughs> you got to reevaluate those premiums. We're not above 20 anymore. We're starting to come in. So make sure you're getting paid enough. But, you know, 17, still somewhat elevated. And, you know, historically, we're usually 14 to 17, so we're still high. But, I mean, we're not 25, 30 anymore. You know, 17, the premiums aren't going to be as good as they were a month ago. Dennis gave you a great level here. And uh, this $32 area, right? You had the big rally up over 33, and then you came down. You're like, okay, we're just going to hang at 32. We're going to hang at 32. And then, boom, you get the flush down to 29. All those old lows in the area just, just popped above it just a little bit here in the after hours. So I would just keep a real close eye. If this can't get or clear the 32 hump pretty early, I would look for a little bit of a fade in Intel. The top, I don't know if you'll get to the top of yesterday's range unless the market really goes into reverse at 29.95. That was the top of yesterday's range. But we do, we do have something getting absolutely killed today. We got a couple things getting killed, but we'll stay on the technology here and snap. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Snap. Uh, I think I mentioned something about support at 10. We'll see you later. Uh, snap. Um, 
they beat, they made a penny versus losing a penny, but they, they couldn't make that EP, that sales number. They came up shy, pretty shy, Nine, 988.61 versus 1.01 billion. Uh, they are not providing formal guidance for revenue or adjusted EBITDA for Q2 of 2023. Is this just a matter of Meta eating their lunch here and fighting oh, back? TikTok and, more than TikTok, anything, Joel. Yeah. And I mean, Snap, we used to talk Snap a lot on this show because Snap was always the first to report. It was before Meta, it was before Google. So what would happen was the slippery slope is that Snap would report and that would move Meta and Meta and it would move Google as well because it was the first, you know, indicator, you know, for what, how online advertising is doing because none of the other companies had reported. And then Google would move the entire market. And we don't have that now because they move Snap later into the earnings season. So now Snap becomes meaningless to those other stocks because we've already heard from Meta. So you're wondering, how is Meta up if, Google, if Snap is down? Well, we already heard from Meta. So we don't have to worry that, oh, Snap's not doing well. Maybe Meta's not doing well either. So now Snap is meaningless to Meta, meaningless to Google. Um, so if you look, because they already reported. So now Snap is pretty much meaningless to the overall market. It was very influential when it was earlier in the earnings season since they moved to pat behind those stocks, and I think they did it intentionally, um, moved it you know, further down in the earnings season, it doesn't move the overall market anymore. So yeah. it moves itself, though. And I mean, if you're a snap trader, it's going to move itself. And if you're looking at something like this, down 19%, it's a pretty ugly day for it. I mean, here you are coming back down you know, perilously low to the 2023 lows here. So do you bounce down here? Maybe. You got that buy-the-dip mentality in yeah. here. But we still have the tail of two markets. It's been mega cap tech. And then it's been everything else. And a lot of these zombie companies, the ones that aren't making money, and I don't know, did Snap make money? Is it officially zombie-like? Uh, they made a penny versus losing Okay, so I guess it's not officially zombie-like, but there's still a lot of these, you know, mega or these smaller tech companies that are barely making money or losing money that aren't rallying. You know, look at ARKK. You know, we can say, what a rip-roaring rally. Well, you know what? We've kind of given back the majority of the 2023 rally, we started at 30 bucks, had a huge run in February up to 45, and then you know we're 40. Now we're 35, and we're starting to leak. And obviously Tesla's involved in ARKK quite heavily, but all those other companies that are in there that really aren't making a lot of money starting to leak. Now ARK has great support at 35, so if you want to take a shot, I won't argue with you. If you want to try it, 34.81, you're buying right on the lows of, of the last two and a half months. But you know it's definitely relative strength is not there. So that brings me back to Snap. You know, do I want to be just going bottom fishing here in companies that are barely making money or losing money? That's not the companies they've been buying. They've been buying companies on the dip that, you know, are, are obviously making money and, you know, of reasonable valuation here. So I'll probably stay away. Uh, you got the spike. Wow, this thing spiked over 11. Holy mackerel. And then, boom, you saw the drop. They took it down to 805 here. And now... I think people are like scratching their head. They're like, well, I would have loved to buy that like 810, 820, and they missed it. So you're finding some support here uh, at the 850 area. Nothing major. Just the way it's bid here now and the way it's down 19%. I think, I mean, if you're short in here and you think you're going to cover it eight bucks, you better. I would have a short leash on uh, trying to short it down here on the upside. I know short stocks 20% down. Yeah, in the whole. Especially in a market that has been what we've been talking about sideways. You know, ding, 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 ding. Selling here, buying here, not the recipe for success in a contrarian market. All right. And then, uh, the t I mean, if it ever gets back to uh, 10 bucks, that's going to be major resistance. Let's continue with the disaster and another disaster of the day. Uh, Cloudfare wow. getting absolutely lit up here. Little buyer of 44. So Cloudfare, they beat. So if you were jumping on the headline number, they beat by a nickel. They missed on revenues, but they did not like that guidance. They, they um, well, it's the not Q2, even that bad. No, it wasn't. What do they not like about this report? Well, they don't like that the revenue is going to be a little bit light. I guess I, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't it's seem like it should be. But, but here is this market where you try to analyze fundamentally the technical moves, and you're like, well, they didn't like the guidance. You know, you'll the, the media will justify it after the fact every time. 
But I mean, it wasn't that bad. The, the EPS was fine. The sales was a little bit light. The revenue guidance was a little I bit see, light. I see and, that. And maybe yep. that's what they didn't like. But to knock it down 25% on this, like they hammer stocks, you know, uh, they, they hammer them. <laughs> when you know they find something they don't like, so this is the it's a very vicious market. We saw it with the NPH, NET. I mean, it's hard to be like an investor in some of these companies that are you know have these ridiculously high multiples or zombie-like companies because when they just miss revenue just slightly, they hammer. So I don't know, Cloudflare down here, you got some support down at forty, but am I going bottom fishing in it? Probably not. 42 uh, was your panic low there, just massive selling. And now that the, uh, you know, now that the the, the big selling, the, the dumping has, uh, could be more. But now someone's saying, I want this at 44. I mean, they're, you know, they're in the pre-market. I'm not going to get 42. Uh, so if longer it takes to get, uh, breach this 44, currently trading at 44.99, um, I just, I would look at this as, you know, if I was short, I'd be hoping, all right, cracks 44. I'm a buyer between 42 and 44. Uh, not much on the dailies here. One daily. Oh, look at that. A daily January 26 low, 42.26. So if you just stuck a blind bid out there at 42.26, you would have gotten done and you'd be up three points. But to only one uh, one daily low uh, in that area. Uh, and now just, I tell you, I just, this guy from Citigroup, uh, last Friday, the uh, the the after the close downgrade to sell of First Solar, that might be one of the best calls that I've seen in the, in, in a while. Uh, First Solar misses, and did they miss? They missed big time, forty cents versus ninety three, and then they missed on the sales by almost a hundred million dollars. Dennis, look at this. Hang solar out, is a dude. mess right Look now. at this. What's going oh, on with solar? Just a mess right now. I mean, obviously the NPH, but first solar has been the darling of this year. Now it gets hammered here too. I don't know. You're coming back into support in first solar at 180. But <laughs> if you were so inclined to try to buy the dip in ENPH, that was pretty tough there too. There's been two insider buys on the NPH the last couple of days, and that isn't even helping the stock. I I don't know what to say. I mean, again, we're just in this environment where, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, the stocks are going up. It's great. There's so many stocks not doing that. Tale of two markets, mixed messages continues here. First solar not looking good either. Great support at 180, though, where the old resistance becomes new support. So I will say it's down here near support right now. Gapped up off the last report. So you do have a gap area uh, between 177.29 and 169.77. Don't know if you're going to get there today, but uh, the first um, near near the pre-market low. So 186.66 is your pre-market low. And then really the only thing you have there, as I mentioned, was uh, this is probably from the last earnings report. Man, what a what look at what they do off one earnings. Is, was that earnings back in March? Holy mackerel. Look at that move. And now straight up and a, straight yeah. down. Man, right oh man. This whole area. You got to sell in the strength. And then let's just look at uh, a few other uh, run. Uh, that is. Uh, mm, None of them look good. So no. that's held up. It's a China name. CSIQ is looking like it's ready to fall off a cliff, to be honest with you. But sometimes <laughs> they look like that and then they turn around. Um, I'm just going through ENPH. Yeah. Obviously, we did SEDG. That yep. reports. Did it report already? SEDG. I feel oh, like I would reports. be. I don't know. I'd be shaking. Yeah, it's next Wednesday. SEDG is reporting next week. So I'd be nervous on that too because you've seen EMPH. Maybe that bar is low enough. Maybe SEDG from First Solar and EMPH can get over it. But, you know, it's just sitting here in a range here too. And none of these things are cheap. The biggest problem with maybe First Solar, you know, PE isn't bad, but EMPH PE has never been, you know, cheap. That's why I haven't put it in the long term portfolio, even though I kind of liked it at 200 and that didn't work out very well. Um, I'm just trying to see what I'm going to bring up the PEs for some of these here. Okay. Why don't you do that? It's an interesting exercise. I'm trying to bring up the PEs here. So EMPH. Well, no, we're going to go to First Solar first because we did EMPH yesterday. So First Solar PE 26. Uh, Man, I have this is, it comes right back to this, you know, like I keep analyzing this market and thinking, well, you know, yeah, we're going to run up to all-time highs and we're going to go. Like People are telling me this. you got to get invested now for the next big bull run. 
I just keep looking here and I was like, what's a catalyst? One, stocks aren't cheap. Two, we're starting to see growth slow substantially. I mean, bloody Amazon's talking about AWS growth, you know, declining. I mean, that's not good news. Um, the, the earnings report, which we've got, have been okay from the mega cap tax, but they've been mixed messages all over the place. You got the, you know, you still got 5%, you know, risk-free rate out here. And you've got inflation that is still somewhat of an issue, which we're going to get another data point. On oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What time is it? Oh, it's 825. So um, maybe, you know, okay. if inflation can come in later today, maybe that kickstarts the next, you know, move up here. PC is important. If we can come in here and continue to beat inflation here, maybe. But I think the, 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 the thing that the bulls aren't considering is that they think if we just beat inflation, that the Fed is automatically going to start. And I don't think that's the case. I don't, I don't think, think so that. either. I think the Fed wants to make sure inflation is dead. And I don't think they're going to pivot for inflation. I think they're going to pivot for recession. And if we go into recession, you're going to see a lot more stocks like UPS. You know, UPS is, you know, your indicator here that the market is not willing to accept lower profits or UPS wouldn't have gotten hammered to the tune of 20 points the other day. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. There's going to be, if you're, if you're, if you're going to get a pivot in the second half, it's not going to be because of inflation. It's going to be because of the recession. And that's not good for the market. Okay, Dennis, I, I want you to be honest with me, and I want want you to tell me how much volume you did in TOP uh, last <laughs> night. <laughs> I watched this thing <laughs> last night go from forty five dollars to two hundred and twenty dollars. Never touched it. Two twenty. Two twenty. Two twenty last night. Two sixty. Two sixty. I didn't notice that one. You know why I noticed this? Because I got the I got the trade ideas. Shout out trade ideas. We love you. I got the trade ideas scanner run, and it's just popping off because it's making new highs. And it's like in my my filter all the time. And I was like, I didn't even know what top was two days ago. And now all of a sudden, the stock's in my filter every every day. Every you know, well not every day for two days straight. It's just sitting here, you know, flying, flying, flying. I mean, this is crazy. So it's some China stock. I don't even know the story to this. Twenty to two forty last night. Now it's back at seventy five. Holy mackerel. You want to gamble? This is your stock if you're gambling. I don't know. Um, I don't it, it, It's uh, a low float uh, stock and an article on China's Sina, whatever that is, dated April 25th, titled, someone someone help me pronounce this, Zan, Zanyang? Zanyang Financial Group's additional is issuance was approved by the US SEC. I am not doing any technicals on this one. I, I'm just, I'm out. I'm out on that. There, there is go no anywhere topic. it wants to go. We know how these stories end. They end in tears. I believe you saw the top after hours last night when the 260 people thought it was going to 1,000. Now they're 75. They're like, well, it'll go to 1,000 tomorrow. And that's how the hopium starts. And then they look at it two months later and it's back at five bucks. And they're like, how did I lose all my money? So we know how these stories typically end. The problem is if you short them, you just don't know where, you know, how high they can go. You'd be short enough 40 or 50. And yeah, two months from now, maybe you, you make some money. But can you hold through that? And what the hell is the cost to borrow this thing? I, I doubt you can even borrow it. Let me just go see curiously. I doubt you can even borrow this. We're going to get PC in two minutes. Or something yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to. It's 100% uh, a year to borrow it right now. Yeah, 100% okay. a year. I'm not even sure I can get a locate. I'm not even going to try. I don't even want to touch it just in case I accidentally trade it. <laughs> Scared of these kind of stocks. This is not my cup of tea. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, save another disaster report uh, for after the PCE, and that yeah. will be pin interest. Uh, another another. I, I heard somebody it. else call it pin interest on the on a uh, pin interest <laughs> on a uh, CBC <laughs> last night. I laughed out loud. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I don't know if she just messed up when she called it, or if she calls it that too, because you're the only person I've ever heard <laughs> call it pin interest, and I always laugh. And somebody on CNBC, they were giving the t like I think it was an analyst. They were giving it. They're like pin interest. And I was like. That is awesome. You know <laughs> like what? Somebody else someone, it. You know what? Someone got me, and I've heard it from so many people. They say Tesla, Tesla, and then and like yes, or a couple days ago, I was talking about it, and I've never said it. And I'm like, and I said it, and someone in the chat caught it. And uh, all right, it's eight twenty nine. Getting moving. out of the way here. Going it's wide. Go wide I'm going. I'm going in the background. Joel's going to take you through this show by himself, but I will be back. Okay, it's uh, it's the core PCE. 
uh, personal consumption expenditure price index coming in. Uh, the previous was 0.3. The consensus is 0.3. And the forecast is 0.4. So uh, if we get a hot, I'm just going to give you the price action here because I can't look at 94 different things and give you. So I'll just set up the price action for you here. And the price action is, is we're down 13 and a half handles at 41.40.50. Uh, mild interest for me would be, uh, a, you know, a potential resistance point would be 41.43.50. Uh, the morning bounce got up to that area a couple times and we're moving. That's a big old bar right there on a one minute. 41.36. We're pretty much in the same area. We spiked over that 43.50. So if you had an order in at 43.50, you did get done. Still chopping around 41.39, 41.40. We're looking at uh, Rick Santelli here, anxiously awaiting our first quarter PC index. And we're still just kind of chopping. I love these algo jumpers, man. They're just like, oh, let's get to stops. Let's get to buy stops. Let's get to sell stops. Right now, we're still there. We're still, we're still hanging in there. Pretty much, we started this bar right at 41.40. We're at 41.38.50. We had that initial move. Come on. Is this not going to be a mover here? Come on now. Give me some data. Now, now we're a little pressure, more selling pressure. Pre-market low comes in at 41.31.50. Nothing. Nothing there, folks, at 41.31.50. What we have, employment cost index higher, 1.2% versus 1%. That's not what the market wanted to hear. Uh, you are getting a little bit. The consumer, you just can't break this consumer. They're still spending. Uh, we're still getting a little bit of chop here. Uh, there is there is some mild buying going on. That they don't know what to do low. with the inline number. So ECE uh, well, month okay. over month, 0.3% right on the 0.3% estimate. The bots don't know what to do with it. So we went really wide, went eight points wide in the S&P at one point in time. Now we've closed in and we're kind of in the same spot. They don't know. It wasn't definitively hot. It wasn't definitively not. It's in line. And they don't know what to do with it. The bots are just sitting there. They don't know what to do with it. <laughs> how do you make, how do you stump a bot, right, with an inline number? Give them an inline number. Yeah. Month okay. over month, expected to be up 0.3%. Um, and I was up 0.3%. Okay. Did Dennis, did I, did I? Was there any reaction in the stocks or really? No, they just sat there doing nothing. And I mean, <laughs> that's, you know, what this market does sometimes here is like it doesn't know. And the stocks, if the futures don't know, the stocks definitely don't know. So uh, stocks, what? you know, on these numbers lag the futures always. So at certain points in time, stocks can lead. On 830 numbers, futures always lead. So yeah, okay. futures go, yeah. stop, everybody's like ready to trade the stocks off the futures. Futures don't move. They don't know what to do. We are starting to rally here a little bit here. Yep, Let's we are trying to. Yep, trying to get uh, get over uh, mid-range here. Uh, as I mentioned, let's just want to do one more earnings report here. I'm going to say it right. Pinterest, Ooh. right? Yeah, okay. All right. Let me uh, let me give you the report here from uh, PI. I, I never really understood this stock or understood this company. But where's the report? They beat. So if Dennis was hopping on the headline number, they beat by six cents and they beat on revenue. Global MAUs are up 7% year over year. Wow, what great news. How's the stock doing? Down? It is three so hard <laughs> to figure out, you know, taking fundamental information and then projecting where the price is going to go is nearly impossible in this market because you're right. Eight cents to beat. MAU's up 7%. I don't know where expectations were on MAU's. Maybe it was low. We expect our Q2 non-GAAP operating expenses to grow low teens on a percentage base quarter over quarter. They're talking about a reduction in the workforce. I mean, nothing really drastically, nothing really tragic in this report. Yet the stock's down 11%. So, you know, go figure. I'm just going to go on a tangent here just for a second. We'll bring it back to pins. But I want to talk Crocs from yesterday. Because oh. Crocs was an incredible move. The stock was down 20 points yesterday more than 20 points and if you look they had a beat beat and a raise they had a beat beat raise and they killed it for 20 points i mean this is this market you think you got to figure it out and you don't 261 versus 215 that's a huge beat on the bottom line this is crocs 884 million versus 856 million. that's a huge beat on the top line 
They see their sales. They're looking at 1117 EPS. They're looking at 1117 to 1173, making a ton of money versus 1086. So they're raising up guidance. Doesn't even matter. They're like, no, not good enough. We were buying you up at the highs before the report, and we're going to punish you. So expectations were just simply too high. Stock had run up too much, running from 130 to 150 in a week before the report. And they hammered it and gave it all back. Unbelievable. Would I buy the dip in Crocs? Maybe. You know what is uh, what they don't like about this? And I actually did have CNBC on a little bit. Um, hey, dude. Did, you, did they bought Hey, Dude? Have you ever heard of Hey, Dude shoes? No, no. No. I, I, I looked at them. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm not wearing those. Uh, they bought, they, they bought, I'm a shoe guy too. And uh, they bought, um, they, they bought that company and they were so, oh, you know, integrated expenses or worried about the expenses or whatever. But the CEO was on. He's like, I really think this is an overreaction to our to the stock in the acquisition. Uh, it had a bad day yesterday. Let's see if it can stabilize uh, just under this 120 area. Trading in the red. I wouldn't look for any green until you could clear that closing price of 124.32. Well, look at the 110 level. It's not. I don't think it's going to get there. Is the problem? But that 110 oh, level yeah. would have been an awesome level yesterday. I got down to 116. Look at the 110. The low, Boom. February Boom. on in February, one ten sixty nine. The two lows in March, one hundred nine forty seven, one hundred nine seventy six. One ten is like a five or seven star level, Joel, <laughs> on the Joel Alconan level system. So, what about I don't three... know if you get there, but I would be a buyer at one ten if it got there. What about the three lows in January at nine eighty four, eight eighty eight, and nine sixty five? Yeah, I would have. Uh, the I Harlan uh... Pyen. You know, Harlan Pine used to say, bring up a chart and what level jumps out in the first couple of seconds? I look at this and it's 110. Okay, guest time. And uh, we have we have one of the Jeremy's uh, from over at uh, Wisdom Tree, Jeremy Schwartz. He is the Global Chief Investment Officer at Wisdom Tree Funds. Roll the intro, Aaron. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. Cool. Good to be with you, Dennis. Great to see you guys. Yep. And uh, what do you think? I mean, what a mixed bag of earnings. We were going back and forth uh, earlier in the week, and you, you guys are doing, you're doing your, you know, putting the pencil, the paper, and figure out these earnings. I mean, the good earnings, bad earnings. I mean, give us uh, your, your overall take here on uh, Q1 earnings season. You know, it's, it's actually coming in pretty well. I mean, they weren't expected to be be a, a big growth number. I mean, we, we've got this new tracker, and I'll pull up some of these things so people can see that, um, perhaps. Uh, can I can share my share, screen? Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Let's, see, let's see if I can do present, share screen. Um, I'll start with my Twitter, uh, because I, I'm starting to put all this stuff out on Twitter so people can see. This sure. is our, our and, and just confirm you guys nice. all can see that. Yeah. Um, yep. Beautiful. So how to read this, um, you know, the far left, this is a S&P style box grid. So using the S&P 500, 400, 600 for large to small value to growth. And, you know, the far left is what the basically the estimates plus what's already been reported. So you keep updating that as people report. The middle box is just how it's going for, you know, now you've had 56% of the S&P weight report as of last night. Uh, and that's down 70 basis points, but it's surprised 7% higher than what people expected. You always hear about this consistent beats, you know, that they always lower the estimates so they can beat. And you are seeing 7% beats for, for the SP 500. Um, no, but in general, the earnings are supposed to be down about 5%. Now, this is 2% higher than it was just a few weeks ago. So that's sort of a, a sense of how these things are coming in better than expected. Uh, and the surprise factor has been pretty good. There's only two reds on the surprise, and that's in this sort of blend and, and value for small caps. And when we drilled into what's going on there, first there's sort of half is the weight is reported. There's only 30% of small caps who report. They sort of tend to report later in the season. And it's definitely being driven by a few companies. Um, PacWest is one of the small cap banks that had a, a pretty bad number, and it's impacting the S&P 600. Interestingly, I also show it in the Russell and, and the Russell, if I go down in my thread, um, where's my Russell view? So here's the Russell view. Yeah. 
And, you know, in the, in the Russell, it's not negative and it's because in the Russell, it's it's in the mid cap index and it's sort of being hidden, you know, amongst things that are beating more generally. Uh, and so, you know, I'd say in general, the season's going better, but you can see in aggregate, you know, you are getting declines and you're getting big declines in small caps. Um, you know, so I think that that's one of the things, you know, small caps more sensitive to the economy. Uh, yeah. You get more of the banks in small caps. Uh, and, and so I think that's all part of the uh, our current read. Jeremy, this is so interesting because I, it brings light to how much ex, how important expectations are. And I think yes. where last quarter, you know, and, and maybe everyone had, you know, feelings and I did too, that, you know, there's a recession imminent and it's coming. And, you know, I think maybe the guidance in the last quarter from a lot of these companies was conservative, you know, even though they maybe weren't saying it was conservative. Now they come out and, hey, it's not that bad, you know, but when you really look at it, is it, you know, we're not growing here, though. I mean, these earnings are going down. So, I mean, just because yeah. they're beating the lowered expectations, is that necessarily a good thing? I mean, and then, you know, obviously, tail of two markets, too. If you look back to, you know, obviously, some of the mega cap techs have done really well. And to your point, some of these uh, you know, small cap stocks maybe haven't done so well. I, I just see earnings decline. I think, you know, I'm, here you are on the S&P trading 19 and a half times earnings here right now. And yeah, they're beating some expectations that are lower. But when you have overall earnings decline here that you're talking about here, I just don't see this as, you know, a, a great value here at this point in time. Yeah, you know, we, we've been more cautious than usual, you know, particularly from my the other Jeremy, as you talked about. I mean, stocks for longer and Jeremy tends to be pretty bullish most of the time. That's right. Generally the right call, you know, 75 percent yes. of the years you're up. But this at moment in time. And, you know, if you say, hey, um, what's the opposite side? Everybody's sentiment is negative. You know, there's all these indicators saying people are short on the futures that JP Morgan puts out their survey and only 5% are bullish. And, you know, the BAML survey shows people are overweight cash and underweight stocks, you know, to the extremes. So I'm worried about how much worry there is, but yeah. we are still worried. Um, and, you know, we, you know, you, you, you had us on together we still think the Fed's making big mistakes. There's no signs they get it. You know, everybody expects the May hike and a pause. Uh, and then the Fed Fund's futures are expecting pretty dramatic cuts over the next 12 months. Uh, you know, and we think they should do it even sooner. But the, you know, there's there's definitely a greater risk of a, a, of a, a harsher landing than that's even being forecasted. Uh, how much does the Fed look at the stock market? Because they say they're data dependent, but we know in the past, and obviously during the COVID crisis, you know, they're coming in the stock markets down, you know, a thousand points in one day, emergency rate cut. I mean, how much does the Fed, you know, they, they, they say they don't look at the stock market, they just look at the data, but I don't believe that at all. How much do you think the Fed actually looks at the stock market? Because you look at the stock market, it's S&Ps and you're like, Oh, we're holding up pretty well here. Maybe we can continue to raise rates. Right. You know, I wonder if there isn't some of that going on behind the scenes. What are your thoughts there? Well, I do think there's all there's definitely that narrative out there a lot that Powell's trying to get rid of that narrative that there's this Fed put that he's taking actions even going harsher than he otherwise might be because he's trying to destroy that narrative, Dennis. Um, so I that there's some people who say that I think at at face value. He doesn't really care what happens in the market. He's really not trying to control it. He he they there is this reinforcement loop of a wealth effect, and and that that to the extent that the there is a a self feedback mechanism that that you know the the equity declines can feed on itself and create slowdowns and make companies more hesitant and and all the rest. So there is an element of that. It does impact the economy, but they're really now focused on inflation more so than other things, and their view is that. Th that inflation is sticky and our view is that inflation is collapsing so you know it's it's this different world um you know we're very concerned about the money supply that's what he should be focused on that he's not been focused on and you know the money supply is contracting at levels it hasn't done in 90 years and he says there's no relation between money supply and inflation that that's much more of an important link than they've given credit to than the market um but they they you know they're now focused on wages Again, you know, he shouldn't collapse people from trying to catch up with inflation. They're they're not even keeping up with inflation. Let the workers catch up. Don't be anti-labor. 
and prevent the workers from keeping up with inflation. Um, so that's there's a lot of there, but I don't I don't think it's that he's just tracking the market and saying he could keep going. I think he's wrongly focused on some of these inflation metrics. All right, we're on the line with uh, Jeremy Schwartz, Global Chief Investment Officer at Wisdom Tree Fund. So, what what's it going to do? What's going to shake Powell out of out of this uh, out of the stance of uh, you know driving the you know the economy into the? I mean, is it? Is, I mean, is it inflation numbers? They seem to be coming in line. I mean, does he need yeah. a an epic cl- collapse? Uh, what does he need? And then also uh, the second part question here: Hell, is is it? Better to put our money somewhere else. I mean, in the U.S., you know, maybe, you know, there's time. We've had underperforming markets for a long time. From a global perspective, I mean, should we be looking other places? So, uh, yeah, those are great questions. And uh, on, on my dashboards here, I'm going to show a few different things. Maybe I'll, I'll stop and then reshare. The, um, on the, on what is it going to take from to, to realize negative employment reports, getting some view that there's slack in the labor market. So as you get a, if you get a string of negative employment reports and, and how quickly unemployment rises, because that he's now focused on the wages element. And again, we don't think he should be, but that's what he's focused on. So negative employment growth, softness in the economy that gives them idea that there's slack and wage pressures will come down. That's going to be the key to see when he pivots. Um, in terms of what you know, what might cause that you know, there's there's underlying you know, we, we we're calling this banking dynamic, and you're you're now there's all this stress about First Republic, and maybe the markets don't care about First Republic, but it's collapsing. There's these longer term pressures on the banks because they're not keeping up with Fed funds. I mean, you can get five percent in one week Treasuries. I mean, we have an ETF USFR that took in ten billion last year, taken in two billion this year. I mean, the day my bonus cleared, I moved it to my Schwab <laughs> account and bought you know, that ETF because I'm getting 5%. And, you know, your banks aren't appropriately paying you the 5% deposit rate. And so bank profitability is going to come under pressure because, you know, there's going to be even be more fintech solutions that make it just easier to spend off treasuries. I mean, we're working on those type of things. But there's people who will, the banks will have to keep up with deposits they haven't really. And so we call it a bank walk, that there's slow moving movements of people realizing they can get more in their checking account. So USFR, floating rate treasuries, definitely the safe end of the curve of where you wanna be for getting the true income you can get. Um, and, you know, and I think that banks still come under pressure from that. Now, in terms of where around the world you wanna be, I, I have on my screen, a piece uh and i'm going to share back that and and i you know this is not we're not ready just because he did this but we wrote a piece three years ago follow buffett into japan and we said <laughs> buffett's back for more in japan uh you know he's done incredibly well on his buy since he bought his stocks three years ago they're up 140 percent um the s is up 22 percent wow you know dxj is one of our flagship japan funds it's up about 57% over that period. So it's done about 30% better than the S&P. Um, you know, his stocks today, he, he bought five stocks. I followed him in three of these stocks when he bought it. and done quite well in those three stocks. But, you know, our DXJ is 3.8. His basket also has a 3.8 dividend yield. These companies are growing their dividends almost 70% since he bought them. And I think that sort of corporate governance example leading by that is going to have positive effects on the rest of Japan to grow the dividends. You know, we talked about the S&P at 19 times, Japan's at nine times. It's got an earnings wow. yield of 11. You know, so oh. this is not an expensive part. I, I mean, and you think about, you know, there's been a 35 year underperformance here in Japan because we topped out, I believe back in like, if I don't know the date right, I'm, I'm, forgive me, but I think it was 1989 when the Nikkei topped yes. out. So we've been down here for basically 32 years, still haven't never got back to the highs. So obviously, you know, valuations have been suppressed here. I wonder how much, just a question is, you know, you get, you know, uh, people who want to uh, invest over in Asia. And I wonder if there isn't a little bit of a China boycott here, like people, you know, it's a little bit scared to invest in China. We don't know what they're thinking with Taiwan. I've been scared to invest in China. But if you want to invest in Asia, maybe Japan's like the safer alternative to China here right now as well. What are your thoughts there? 
you're you're echoing what I've been saying. I you know oh. earlier this year we <laughs> six weeks ago <laughs> six weeks ago I did a piece saying you should buy Europe and Japan exporters for the China reopening, not China. And what is happening? China's negative. We have a European funds of nineteen percent this year, almost as good as U.S. tech. You know the yeah. European multinationals are up ninety percent, um, and it's sort of. And that's also a cheap basket, you know, at, at basically when I wrote it, it was like 10 times earnings. I think it's probably still close to that. And so it's Japan is at the center point. It's our obviously ally over in the region. Um, it's, you know, if you look what, what's fascinating, our, my colleague Jeff Winter puts a number of charts on Japanese wages versus U.S. wages. If you go back to like 2010, the wages were identical between a Japanese worker and a U.S. worker. Our wage growth, because we have inflation, we keep growing the wages, is up something to when they were identical. The gap is now you pay a, a typical U.S. worker twice as much as a Japanese worker because the currency declined and because of our higher wage growth. So there is a arb there. And you know whether or not people go to relocate manufacturing there, maybe the, some of their companies bring it back, we'll, we'll see if that if any of that happens, but there's definitely labor is now twice as cheap as a U.S. worker and not saying they're obviously perfectly substitutable, but there is a value to that. Uh, and the stocks are cheap. I mean, if you're just buying the stocks, they are cheap um, at 10, 10 points lower than the S&P. And you get these sort of positive corporate governance stories. And as an alternative to China, you know, Japan's a good hub for people to locate. People are moving away from China. I think Japan could be a safer place for people to, to do business. All right, we've been on the line with Jeremy Schwartz, the Global Chief Investment Officer at Wisdom Tree Funds, and a great follow on Twitter. Jeremy, thanks again, and uh, we'll be speaking to you real soon. Great information uh, you're giving to our investors. Thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Okay. All right. Uh, S&Ps are just trying to hang mid-range on the session here, down 10 and a half handles at 41.43 and a quarter. So not, it's just a uh, real still indecision uh, coming off that PCE report. Really, we haven't moved at all. Amazon is back above yesterday's low. The bulls are trying to defend that 106.80. So yeah. that will be your driver here today. Dennis, you see any other drivers here before we go to uh, our Trade Zero segment? Uh, go to the Trade Zero segment because we'll find more drivers in there. Okay. Alright. We'll take it away, Aaron, with the Trade Zero. Alright, Aaron. Let's, uh, let's start Start with the off filter, right? You know, everyone likes to the be positive. News. Yeah. yeah. Top. Of course, top <laughs> is right at the top. MEGL is another one of these China plays. So it's littered all these little China plays here. I think AGBA is one as well. So you can see TCJH is in one as well. Here we're just looking at them all here. HUDI is one of these. So they're all, you know, hoping these are the next tops. So hard to, you know, chase some of these things because a lot of times they end tiers so intel near the top we talked intel already mondelez reported earnings defensive stock on a day we're down it's not surprising mondelez showing a little bit of strength i think the report was fine nvidia is up on intel i mean i'm looking here and this is all kind of stories we've kind of covered here i mean we got to go to the loser unless you see something that strikes your fancy uh, well just um i'm looking at this up uh, mondelez and uh boy oh boy have you seen the great american chocolate bar lately uh oh because the shrinkflation uh hershey's man busted out to a oh, new all-time high yeah these food stocks i mean uh general mills in a new all-time high i don't know if people have been going kroger in kroger in is a little bit different but uh boy those food stocks have been strong uh I'm trying to see if there's anything else in there in the up filter uh not really all right let's go let's go to uh let's go to the down filter then and uh Boy, oh boy, first solar, Dennis. I mean, we did talk this one already. Hanging above the pre-market low. Can we filter it by percent? Just grab the percent column because we're going by points. Let's go by percent. There you go. Okay. Give me a little bit different feel here. H-I-L-S, Dennis. Uh, heading for no the hills. Hill Street Biopharma. It's a small yeah. stock. Nope. Next stocks under five bucks. We usually don't talk about it, unless it's top because it was just fun. Well, it was under five dollars two days ago. E H T H 
eHealth. I'm not talk that one. That's a small one too. So I don't know if I had earnings or whatever. I don't follow the story whatsoever. So okay. again, it's too small for me to cover. You know, AMZU is Amazon. So you're talking the one and a half bull Amazon. Again, my pet peeve is all these new products being created. I mean, why do you need a 1.5 times Amazon bull? Why don't you just buy? A little bit. If you wanted to buy 100 shares, buy 150 shares. Why in the hell do you need to go trade the 1.5 times bull? Just buy a little bit more. All it is is a way for, you know, they're trying to get around margin is what they're trying to do on these products. I can't believe the regulators allow some of this stuff to be created. So sorry, Direxion. I know you create a lot of cool stuff, but this 1.5, I get the like the inverse one because you can't shorten your Robinhood account. So I get those, you know, because there's like TS, I believe it's L. I don't know what the heck it is. There's TSLL is the bull one, and then there's the other one that's the bear one. But a lot of these products, I mean, we have derivatives of stocks and derivatives of this. I just think it's like so much that we just don't need. We don't need an AMZU product. We just don't need it. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm looking at this down filter here, and uh, boy, oh, boy, it seems like uh, cybersecurity stocks here. We got our our technology. I'm lumping them all together here. Zscaler. uh, Boy, that spiked down. Well, well, these are all – okay, so your cybersecurity stocks are all getting hit off Netflare. So you got Zscaler, CrowdStrike, all getting hit here. Um, You know, if I went and looked at the filter, if you want, you know, the ETF for that hack – Great symbol, H-A-C-K. It's down 1%. There's also C-I-B-R, which is your cybersecurity uh, one, which is down here as well. So all of this is going to be down here today because of that. Okay. And uh, and you could throw Fortnet in there too. Uh, nope. I, just, I just will say that uh, the NET here, uh, it's catching a little bit of a bit. I don't even know if you're going to get a look at that, uh, that 44 area now. Uh, big decline starting to inch its way back up. Uh, we talked about Crocs. Uh, we got the older ADI I see uh, floating in there. Analog device, uh, that's flat. So I'm not sure why that's in there, why it'd be in the down filter at all. But um, let's start. I see the big stocks. Dennis, what about um, you know the Goog? I mean, it already reported here. Uh, it got the pop. I mean, I think you guys got to keep an eye on these mega caps today too, right? They've been yeah. dominating the market. Google hanging in there. Amazon getting above its uh, previous day's low. So we'll see. We're hanging in there. We're above mid-range on the session. So, okay, that's going to end our trade zero segment. We're going to do three more quick earnings reports. Did we do? Did we do pins? I know we started to talk about the actual. Yeah, thing. we did. Let's move on. Exxon and Chevron getting no okay. love from us on this show. It's two stocks that I trade every single day. I trade Exxon and Chevron. Why? Because they move so well with the XLE. They're huge components, obviously, in there. Um, and Exxon and Chevron, you know, so, you know, we don't talk about a lot on the show. I trade these. I day trade these almost every single day. So no position in either right now. So freely hmm. talk about them. But. ExxonMobil reported. Give us the numbers here, Joel, from the Benzinga Pro. Yeah, those are those are numbers are good for ExxonMobil reporting this morning. A big beat, 283 versus 259. Big beat on sales, 86.56 versus 85.41. So uh, you snuck it. Oh, this 118 level. This is what we're going to be focusing on today. Your pre-market high comes in at 118.15. Your high, I believe, on Monday. Or call that Tuesday was 117.74. Uh, the recent high is 118. Excuse me. The the high from Monday 118.89. You look like you got a pesky little seller here at 118, but 118.89 would be a nice target on the upside. Old time highs a little bit higher than that at one nineteen sixty three. Uh, let's go. Really, not seeing anything. Just got to get through one eighteen. Again, uh, these oil stocks priced for perfection is the problem. I mean, Exxon Mobil sitting near you know its high of the year, and you have a lot of oil stocks that have actually come off the high. So Exxon Mobil really, you know, they've gravitated to this one here. Um, with XLE slightly off the highs, it's interesting that ExxonMobil is sitting right on the highs and reports. So reports not bad. The stock is kind of trading higher here, but I think you're just at a point where, you know, even though the awesome report, it's not going to gap up 10 bucks on that awesome report for the simple reasons. A lot of good news already priced in it. Uh, CVX, quite a distance from its all-time high. Boy, announcing that buyback after a Q4 beat and they just 
murdered it after that. Uh, the report, um, let's see here, uh, 355 versus 341. Nice beat on sales almost by $3 billion, 50.79 billion versus 47.89 billion. Not good enough for the street here. Traded down 95 cents at 166. You can lead on 165 here. Uh, that's been the low since you had the OPEC cut. Uh, so 165, you take out that 165, you got a little bit of a gap fill, I believe, from that OPEC day. That would be down to 163.72. Uh, when you have a stock uh, trading in the red after a good earnings report, you always want to see it go back to unchanged. Unchanged comes in at 1 at 66.95. That was pretty close to the high of the day yesterday at 167.39. While we're coming up on the 9 just o'clock before hour. Before you leave the oil stocks here, I just want to say Oxy is coming into our buy zone that we have played multiple times. The Warren Buffett buy zone has been 57 to 60. It's bounced off 60 the last couple of days. I'm not sure if he's going to strike early or not. But at a certain point in time, we start getting back to the 58.59. I'm going to reload Oxy. Okay. All right. Uh, Oxy, you can, yep. It's got a little gap area. We know just, uh, is that Warren out there at 60 is what we're, we're trying to figure out. All right. Well, let's wrap things up here on this Friday, end of the week, end of the month here, Dennis. And, um, Let's see. Can we can we hold on to the gains? We're going to look at Amazon being our driver today. Um, inside day, perhaps, in, in the markets? Maybe. Remember, it's the end of the month, though. So sometimes you see some wild swings. So we haven't even mentioned that yet. It's the end of the month, last trading day of the quarter here. Or not of, of the month, sorry, not of the quarter, of the month. So sometimes you see some wild moves at the close. So just keep that in mind. There could be some movement here at the end of the close institutions it's not as big as like an end of the quarter like march june september december are the big ones but in a month you can sometimes get some movement too so just keep that in mind that it is the end of the month um i think you're just going to chop around i think we're still big battle between the bulls and the bears the pc number did nothing to you know change that narrative here today came in line really their bots don't even know what to do with it amazon's chopped around rallied come back could it rally back up it could it could go anywhere from this point in time so very hard market to predict I would just say the fade trade is still the trade, meaning, you know, you're buying dips, short and rips. I mean, we haven't said that for a few days, but I've been saying it for basically 12 months straight. I mean, fading and contrarian strategies have worked much better in this market than momentum strategies. If you ain't fading, you ain't trading. Joel L. Condon and Dennis Dick signing out on this Friday, the end of April. We'll see if it's sell in May and go away. We'll be back with you guys bright and early Monday morning. Everyone have a great weekend.